Hi everyone, it's Carter. A quick disclaimer before the episode. Riley and I are teachers in the real world. That's not made up for the show. But one thing we do make up are students. Riley and I take our roles as public community members seriously and would never use the real names or personal experiences of students in our classes, past or present. As such, any student names you hear us say are made up on the spot, and stories about our classes are highly editorialized for entertainment. Also, we like to keep our show clean of inappropriate language or content, but we feel that the stories themselves should be read without censorship of language. A content warning will be in the show's description in case we need one. That's it. Enjoy the Fable Fellas. Fable Fellas, Fable Fellas, tell me a story or it's worse off you'll be. Welcome everybody to Fable Fellas, fairy tales told unfairly. I'm Riley. And I'm Carter. And here we are once again to bring you the latest, well not the latest and greatest. As always, we come to you with a collection of fairy tales from yonder years. Some of them might seem familiar because they are the first draft of ones you recognize. Some of them will seem not familiar because there was a one and done. They decided to leave this in the dustbin of history, but we are bringing it back. Resurrecting it like so many things returning from yonder grave. Speaking of returning from the grave. Uh, it- tr- truthfully, Carter, a segue that this story does not deserve. <laughs> <laughs> so when we last left off, the team had narrowly avoided a slew of zombies filing into the parking garage Uh, they have kidnapped skulls the gang leader they are on the roof trying to figure out what to do next right now they're figuring out what to do specifically with the dead weight of a very angry gang leader that they have handcuffed riley looked over at kyle and nodded okay uncuff him he reached into his pocket pulled out the cuff keys and tossed them to kyle who reached down, and with a click, pulled the cuffs off of Skull's wrists. Skull immediately jumped to his feet with a furious snarl, and was about to throw himself upon Kyle, when Kyle raised his shotgun and put it up to Skull's chest. From across the room, DJ brought up his arms and aimed his dual handguns at Skull's back. Remember, Kyle said, like an adult to a disobedient child, soup strainers. (laughs) And I can't remember if I actually had the line about, I will fill you with so many holes, I could use you as a soup strainer. I can't remember if I used that line previously or not, but I feel like that's where it was going. Does that sound familiar? No. Okay, well, I'll make a note to look at... I think you're doing a callback to a a line that you cut out from your final draft. You know what? I will take a look later to see if it is actually there, but we'll see. Skull sneered. You were all talk. Yeah, Kyle said with a shrug, but you fell for it. Save it for the zombies, guys, Riley said as he opened the next door. He can't afford to turn on us now. He glared at Skulls from across the room. Don't take this the wrong way, Skulls. We saved you because you have information that we need to know. And you're not much use inside of a zombie's guts now, are you? Skulls stared back at him for a while, then shrugged. Fine, fine, he said. I'll go along with you twerps. I want to get back to that two-timing freak in the bear mask anyway. <laughs> Suddenly, the multitude of moans grew louder and was shortly Skulls accompanied... Skulls' agenda is quite, is quite wild, huh? The what? The agenda that Skulls has is just like, alright, lose these twerps, get back to the panda guy, 
my day seems pretty solid and sane. <laughs> I think he's just doing what he can. I also like that he's a crime lord who says twerps. Yeah. <laughs> Everything he knows about crime, he learned from Team Rocket. <laughs> Suddenly, the multitude of moans grew louder and was shortly accompanied by the pounding of rotten fists on the door. Go, go, Riley shouted as they dashed up the stairs, flung open the door, and once again stepped out into the brisk, cold night. The snowfall had ceased for the moment, and the sky was a pure, unbroken black. Large sections of the roof were sagging under the weight of the snow, unattended to the entire winter season. As Kyle slammed the door behind him, Ron pulled a cell phone from his pocket and dialed a m- number. <clears throat> and now this is the third person that I knew at the time. My close friend Musa, <laughs> who I've never actually met in person. He's over in Virginia, but I really wanted him to be in the story, too. And he was like the uh, vehicles guy, we decided. Ah, uh, vehicles guy. <laughs> vehicles guy Musa. Yeah. Musa, we're caught up on the roof of the mall, and almost a hundred zombies are making their way up here. We need help ASAP. No, he went up through the parking garage. Okay, fine, just get up here. He clicked the phone shut. Luz is on his way now. We just need to keep the zombies back until he gets here. How is he going to get us out? Kyle asked. We're caught up on a rooftop with a hundred plus zombies after us, and it's a long way down to the road. Don't worry, Riley assured him. Moose is very resourceful. He can handle it. As if on cue... The deafening roar of chopper blades sounded in the night, mm. and a large gust of wind swept across the rooftops. Everyone's eyes music playing from it, right? darted to the sky in disbelief. A black helicopter was descending down towards the edge of the rooftop. Where did he find a helicopter? Riley said in disbelief. Who cares? Skulls laughed maniacally as he ran towards the chopper. He turned around quickly, re- revealing that he was holding a small pistol. So long, suckers. Your little buddy there will be giving you a ride anywhere. Apparently, Skulls wasn't being given a ride either. Right as he reached the edge and grabbed for the helicopter door, the chopper veered sharply away from the platform. Skulls pitched forward and then swayed backwards, shouting out in panic as he fought to maintain balance. As he slipped off the railing, his arms shot out and grabbed the icy railing. Help me, you idiots! Skulls screamed, his legs swinging below him. I think this guy's an idiot. Kyle said disdainfully. And I don't think that's Musa in the chopper, Riley said, starting forward. And right you are, zombie hunter. Without warning, the panda man stepped out from behind (gasps) the cement column. Oh, from the helicopter. And that's where we will pause for now. (laughs) (laughs) I knew Musa got there too quickly. Yeah. In a helicopter. That would be And it wasn't playing the... Wasn't playing Ride of the Valkyries or whatever anyway, so it couldn't have been them. Yeah. Wasn't playing some random song that I liked from that era. <laughs> oh, man. I thought, okay, so they <laughs> there's three factions here, and everybody thought it was their helicopter. <laughs> yeah. How did Skulls get a pistol? Uh, I think I imagine that he had it, like, tied to a little bandolier on his leg or something. You know, like uh. a very discreet pistolier, in case you need it. I see. That was very that that was so iceberg principled that there was not even a tease that it might be there in the first place. <laughs> nope. Very hidden. Oh man. This is a good this is a good cliffhanger to leave it off on. <laughs> well, I've got a, st- a, a I think this is our first tale from Russia. Ooh. As a matter of fact, and it is <clears throat> called uh it's by Valerie Carrick and it's called The Bun. 
The only context I have for this story right now is the frightening image that Carter sent me that (laughs) I can't really make heads or tails of. It's a it's a bread roll. It's a bun with a face screaming at a bunny. <laughs> I yeah, I guess you could. That's say how that. I would describe that. Yeah. Ah, Tales from Russia: The Bun by Valerie Carrick with illustrations by the author. That's cool. Nice. All right, here we go. Today's story. Once upon a time, there was an old man, and one day he wanted something nice to eat. So he said to his wife, "My dear, please make me a bun." But she answered. What am I to make it of? We have no flour. What nonsense. Should I be Russian? Nah, let's just go with it. (laughs) What nonsense. Of course we have. You've only got to scrape the sides of the bin and sweep its floor and you'll get plenty. Uh, hmm? So he's like, so basically just make a bun with the flour that's like sticking to the side of the barrel that you get your flour from. Oh, right. The lowest quality like, flour left over. Surely, yeah. Surely you can get a couple tablespoons out of out of the empty barrel. This man is desperate for a bun. <laughs> so his wife took a feather brush and she scraped the sides and swept the floor of the bin and so got a little flour together. Then... She kneaded the dough with cream, rolled out the bun, spread it over with butter, and put it in the oven. And the bun turned out simply splendid. Wow. She took Yeah. This is good. Good, good for idea. Her. She she's she's an incredible cook. A real subversion she, of expectations. She got the bottom of the bin flour and made the world's greatest bun. She took it out of the oven and put it on the window sill to get cold. And there the bun lay and lay, and he began to feel lonely. So he just took and rolled off. Neat. Good for him. (laughs) I'm proud of him. So the bun's out of here. From the windowsill, he rolled down onto the bench, from the bench onto the floor, and over the floor to the door. Then he rolled right over the threshold into the lobby. Out of the lobby and onto the front doorsteps and down the steps right out of the doors and rolled straight along the road into the field. (laughs) So off he went. (laughs) This bun is. I want a poor meatball, all covered in cheese. (laughs) This bun has come to life with so little fanfare or even like acknowledgement from the story itself that it almost strikes me that buns typically come to life in Russian (laughs) folktales. And it's hardly worth mentioning, like, suddenly the bun became aware and thought, I don't want to be eaten. None of that. The bun was just like, nah, it's a bun. Of course he he uses he pronouns and wants to roll out (laughs) into the field. Yeah, we don't know. We weren't there. (laughs) Every Russian folktale starts with a bun coming to life. And all the Russian children just nod solemnly, like, as is the way. (laughs) Yeah, of course, of course. Nothing nothing surprises them anymore. Suddenly he met a hare, and the hare said to him, Mr. Bun, Mr. Bun. Don't. (laughs) Sorry. The hare said to him, Mr. Bun, Mr. Bun, I shall eat you up. Oh boy, now I gotta think of a voice for the bun. No, what the rabbit actually, what the hare actually said was, Oh my god, a talking bun! <laughs> well, this <laughs> doesn't know the bun can talk yet. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right, the bun hasn't said anything. So this rabbit just goes around looking at the food he wants to eat, mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh, guess what? Yeah. Guess Mr. Grass, Mr. Grass, I'm gonna eat you up. <laughs> Mr. Corn, Mr. Corn, you're next. Mr. Carrot, you're not gonna believe what's gonna happen to you. <laughs> 
no, you shan't, Mr. Hare, for I'll sing you a song. <laughs> and he started not singing. Not in that voice, you're not. I'm Mr. Bun. I'm Mr. Bun. I was scraped from the sides and swept from the floor of the pit. Are you making the song, this up? The song doesn't rhyme at all. No, no, no. Try it again. Try it again. What, wait, hold on. Let me, let me get my notepad. What are the lyrics again? Okay, I'm Mr. Bun, I'm Mr. Bun, I was scraped from the sides and swept from the floor of the bin. I was kneaded with cream and fried in butter and was put to cool on the windowsill. But I got away from Gaffer and I got away from Granny and I shan't find it hard to get away from you. Those are the whole, that's the whole song. That does not rhyme in the slightest. Maybe it rhymes better in the translated version. I'm Mr. Bun, I'm Mr. Bun. <laughs> I'm Mr. Bun. I'm Mr. Mr. Bun. I was scraped from the sides and swept from the floor of the bin. I was kneaded with cream and fried in butter and was put to cool on the windowsill. Zip, but I got away from the gaffer and I got away from the cranny and I shan't find it hard to get away from you. And when he had finished his song, he went on rolling farther and was out of sight before Mr. Hare had time to look. I, so Mr. Now, Bun I w- just didn't respond to that at all. He just sang a song and then left, and they're yeah. hairs. If I, I'm not a, you know, if I were a betting man, I would think that if the bunny really wanted to eat the bun, the moment the bun starts rolling away again, I'm, I'm a. This is a rabbit we're talking about. It could catch up to this bun. Yeah, but I guess the rabbit, the rabbit who obviously can also talk, maybe is is just like stunned by the fact that the bread roll is talking yeah he's just utterly shell-shocked by the fact that a bun (laughs) sang a little motown for him he is not used to his food talking to him yeah not at all often and he went on rolling (laughs) oh go ahead when i tell the carrot i'm gonna eat it normally it's responses that's it that's the response it's a silent carrot yeah my carrots don't talk Everything I knew about the world is up in the air now. He went on rolling when suddenly he met a wolf, and the wolf said to him, Mr. Bun, Mr. Bun, I shall eat you up. Yeah, it makes sense for the wolf to sound like that. Yeah. No, you shan't, Mr. Wolf, for I'll sing you a song. And he started singing. Wait, hold on, wait. The next couple times he starts singing, I'm going to lay down a beat. You've got to match the beat, okay? I'm Mr. Bun, I'm Mr. Bun, I was scraped from the sides and swept from the floor of the bin. I was kneaded with cream and fried in butter and was put to cool on the windowsill. But I got away from the gaffer and I got away from Granny and I think I got away from Let's not do this again, this sucks. And I think I find it easy enough to get away from you. Okay, well, we tried. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm nervous. I didn't read this uh, this story to, to the fully. I flipped through it and I saw that great illustration. I'm afraid I'm going to have to sing that song a couple more times. <laughs> He went on rolling farther when suddenly he met a bear, and the bear said to him, Mr. Bun, Mr. Bun, I shall eat you up. Indeed you shall not, you old crooked paws. You couldn't if you tried. And he started singing. Okay, I'm not going to lay down a track this time because I think that's probably going to be 
very sonically displeasing for our audience, <laughs> but sing it in the tune of one of your favorite songs. In the tune of one... Oh, man. I thought you were going to give me some actual guidance there, but you were like, now sing it in the way okay, that you... Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you okay. just gave... You opened the door to every possibility. Hold on, wait. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Sing it as though it's Shake Your Body Line, the song that we sang upwards of 20 oh. times in a row during our one okay. stint at the Tulalip Casino. Oh, no. Okay. That's your opening. <laughs> I missed a button. I missed a button. I was with I was scraped from the sides and swept from the floor of the bin. I was kneaded with cream and fried in butter. It doesn't work. I was check, put to check, cool on the windowsill, signora. but I got I away from Mon. the gaffer. Check, I got check, away from check, the granny. Signora. I got I away Mr. from Mon. Mr. Hare. And I got away from Mr. Wolf. Goodbye, bear. And he went rolling on farther when suddenly he met a fox. And the fox said to him, Jump in the line, rock your body in touch. <laughs> okay, I believe you. That's what the fox, the fox said. said to him. How do you do, Mr. Bun? <laughs> At least he's greeting him first. <laughs> That's true. I didn't even think of that. How do you do, Mr. Bun? How pretty you are and how well-baked you are. And Mr. Bun was pleased at being praised, and he started singing. <sighs> you want me to do the same one again? Uh, oh, okay, never mind. Um, let's see here. Okay, do it in the tune of Don't Stop Believing. Oh, God. I am Mr. Bun. <laughs> I was scraped from the side. <laughs> it's working! And swept from the floor of the bin. Kneaded with cream. It's working! Fried in butter. Put too cool. <laughs> there, there upon the wind. There upon the windowsill. <laughs> But I got away from Gaffer and from Cranny. I got away from Mr. Hare and I got away from Mr. Wolf. I got away from the Bruin and I'll get away from you. That's a fine song. Fox's voice has changed. Go ahead. <laughs> I have to bleep that. That's a fine song, said Mr. Fox. Please sing it to me again. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but come sit on my nose. I've got so deaf lately. <laughs> <laughs> why, why are we trying to trick them all of a sudden? So Mr. Bun jumped up on Mr. Fox's nose and sang his song again. And the fox said, thank you, Mr. Bun, but please sing it just once again, and come and sit on my tongue, then I shall hear still better. And Mr. Fox put out his tongue, and Mr. Bun jumped onto it, and Mr. Fox just closed his mouth and ate Mr. Bun up. The end. <laughs> Neat! <laughs> <laughs> what a wild ride. That was a mentally taxing story. <laughs> oh, boy. Alright, so, obviously, the message here is to not get a swelled head, right? Because the bun had pretty good preservational skills up until someone started 
praising him and you know really inflating yeah. his ego and then he got sloppy got complacent and then he got eight be wary of the intentions of those that compliment you for perhaps they mean you ill will mm-hmm. not every compliment has roots in sincerity whoa that was like a reverse fortune cookie yeah you just said is so, it? Like, the brevity of it was so like perfect for a fortune cookie but like one that i would not want to open <laughs> yeah yeah oh. <laughs> You don't want a fortune like, cookie that comes as a warning. Yeah, it's like, don't trust people. <laughs> don't do a for- it. <laughs> that was your fortune. <laughs> oh, man. How do you feel about Mr. Bun, Carter? I love the tale of Mr. Bun, and I for sure like the idea that... I, <laughs> I like that this Russian folktale just sort of got straight to the point. The bun came to life. Okay. There's no, like... The, the language of the one that we read last was so all over the place and the sentences were just like constantly, the clauses were all out of sorts in the, in the sentences of the last one. This one was so straightforward, at least when the bun wasn't singing. There's like, I need a bun, make me a bun. The wife made a bun. She put the bun on the window. The bun came to life. The bun rolled away. <laughs> That's good stuff. That At least it was refreshing. Yeah, straight to the point. Made it easy to read. But you know what wasn't easy to read? <laughs> uh, Can you imagine? It's probably the most beautiful song in its native tongue. Oh, yeah. I, I bet, bet it sounds just absolutely dynamite. Like honeysuckle on the ears. Mm-hmm. And then we did Absol- this. I have a book recommendation for yeah? those people who may be listening. This is a young adult book. And it's it's done in a very... it's 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 written in a way that is fairly I, I think is cool in a way that like you i don't expect it's like a book written for kids but it deals with a lot of very interesting and kind of dark themes but all through the perspective of of its subjects the book is called scary stories for young foxes and it's by uh it's by a fella called christian mckay heidecker hmm. and the it's essentially what it, it appears as an anthology but it's these um it's basically a bunch of tales of scary things that would happen to fox kits, but told in like a way that like through their perspective, so they can't really understand what's going on. Like, uh, just as an example, one of the early stories is about like this this um, litter of fox kits um, coming up against a older fox with rabies, but they don't call it rabies; they call it like the like the yellow smell or something. Because it's just kind of like how they'd perceive it, and and it's kind of you know and how and how it would terrify them and how their their mom seems to know what's happening to this older fox but doesn't understand like so one of the fox kits gets bitten by the older fox and um the uh, the the remain like the surviving foxes have to like the mom pretends it's like a game and is like run away now we're going to try to find a new place to live and he'll be fine he's going to stay with that other fox and he'll be okay. And the foxes don't really understand. So, like, it gets really dark. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and it's really well written. And it also, in kind of a... So, it's it's an anthology of stories like that, but they they weave through the similar... Like, you go through similar characters um, later on in their story. There's one hilarious story about... Um, who's the... Who's the woman that wrote Briar Rabbit? Uh, I think it's Briar Rabbit. I cannot remember. Or Peter Rabbit, maybe? Peter Rabbit. Beatrix Potter. Oh right, right, right. Um, so, at some point, a a I don't know if it's actually if it's meant to be her or if it's meant to be like a stand-in for that type of person, but 
the idea of an author who who um stuffs who traps and stuffs animals in the woods so that she can capture their souls down on paper <laughs> is part of the anthology is another story in here. Well, anyway, great. it's a really good I would say like it's it's like young adult but like young young adult but definitely not like early reader either because it is like a chapter book. Anyway, I really enjoyed reading it. Hmm, well that's neat. So that's what I recommend this week is Scary Stories for Young Foxes by Christian McKay Heidecker. This has been an episode of The Fable Fellas. If you liked our podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Please rate and review us, as every rating that you give us helps more people find our show. Also, I've been Carter. And I'm still Riley. This has been The Fable Fellas. Keep it fitty, everybody. Whoa!